Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Context podcast. Today I'm joined with a, a friend of mine, Mario. He's from South Africa, but rather than me introduce him, I'll let him introduce himself. How are you doing, Mario? I'm doing fine. Uh, it's good to be on your podcast, my brother. Uh, so uh, it's been long lost. So I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you guys again in Scotland, hopefully next year. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so I met Mario, I think, back in 2016 in, in Edinburgh when he was speaking at uh, 20 Schemes. He, he was doing some podcasts uh, about the work that he's doing. So uh, can you just explain a little bit about your work, where you're based, uh, what your context is like and, and, and what you're doing? All right, yeah, so um, we are here in Cape Town in um, Balboa South. So Balboa South is a small community of about 40,000 people, uh, largely industrial community. Um, you won't see it if you drive to Cape Town because we are somewhere in, in, in the south. Uh, you know, all these small, poor areas are hidden away from the big cities. Um, but yeah, so uh, our area, our context is mostly um, colored people that you would um, call maybe mixed race. Um, so that's us. Uh, yeah, largely poor community, um, less than 40% of the community is employed, um, loads and loads of kids, um, gangsterism and is at the order of the day, uh, lots of violence, prostitution, all those things that comes with poverty, um, it's, it's there, you know, um, HIV, TB, all those kind of things, domestic violence, that's our community. Um, that would be, uh, if you come into our area, that's probably the first impression you would have of our community. Um, people selling drugs in street corners, gangs, those kind of things. Yeah. And, and you're a pastor, pastor in your community. Uh, it's the Reformed Faith Mission that you're the pastor of. And uh, what kind of unique challenges does uh, pastoring the church in your context bring to you? <laughs> so yeah, so uh, um, interesting. I, I don't know if it's the same in your context or in your community, but in our community, if you're the pastor, um, you're not just the pastor of the local church. You are everybody's pastor. <laughs> so you and you're not just the pastor. You are the ambulance driver. You are the lawyer. You are the counselor. You you basically. Everything that the community needs, that's what you're going to have to become. So, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've already had to go to somebody's job um, because the manager, the boss wanted to fire that person. And, and I had to go and represent the person in a, in a hearing type situation. <laughs> to explain to the boss, please do not fire this person. This is the need at home, all of those kind of things. So you become everything in, in the community, um, which is both a challenge and a blessing. Hmm. Um, uh, you are called on uh, for, for any situation. Um, so a lot of opportunities to share the gospel and to be a gospel witness and to live out that kind of gospel in our communities. Hmm. Um, so what makes our church unique in our community is that we, we work with the gangs and um, people usually think, uh, um, or some of the churches even told us, you guys are crazy to, to even work with these guys, the scum of the earth, 
Why are you still bothered with them? All those kind of things. But many of these gang leaders um, of today, their parents used to be in our Sunday school. Right. So, you know, they, they, they grew up in front of us. We used to give them hidings, hmm. you know. So, um, and a lot of them are still people that, um, that we know we grew up with. Um, some we, 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 uh, we are well known in the community, so they respect us just because we're here. Um, but we have a, a unique opportunity to go into where the gangs are and to preach the gospel to them, to challenge them with the, with the word of God. Our community has got a lot of, uh, it's a very religious community, but a lot of churches, a whole lot of churches, or, and I use the term very loosely. They've got your whole prosperity gospel going on here. Um, you've got old and new apostolic cults. And so a lot of the Pentecostals that they have married some of the heresies from the cults with prosperity gospel. And so they've joined all these things together and came up with some sort of theology that keeps sinners out of hell and still in their sin. So um, a gang member or gang leader or prostitute can also see themselves as believers mm. while practicing those things because they belong to a church and they give money to that church. Yeah. You see, so um, yeah, that's that's the, there's no real gospel being preached in our streets or in our churches. Mm. Um, so if you come to our community, it's almost a fresh thing when you hear the gospel, and it's almost to many people something they've never heard before, mm. which is which is strange um, because the background of Balva South is a strong, it used to be a strong gospel community where the gospel, you know, the old Pentecostals used to preach fire and brimstone. That's what used to be here. Mm. And all of that is gone. So you've got all of these other things happening now. It's just uh, pushing people um, downhill. And it, it's difficult in that environment to share the gospel when people think that they're okay. Mm. So. Yeah, it, it's remarkable how similar areas of poverty are uh, spiritually throughout the world. Poverty might look different from country to country, but spiritually and socially, we have the same problems. We, we yeah. might live in different types of houses. Uh, we ha might have better facilities, but domestic violence, drug abuse, uh, lone parent, ch uh, single parent children who were grown up without fathers, uh, gangs. Wow. Uh, all these issues are the same throughout the world, but then the hardest thing for me is these communities are also lacking good gospel preaching churches. And They're for me, that, that's a tragedy, absolute tragedy. So uh, what challenge does it bring you then that there's other churches in the area preaching an easy gospel, saying, say a prayer, give us money, and continue in your life of sin? What happens when you come and challenge sin with a, with a true gospel? Yeah, so, 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 so first, just to take a little step back in our community, mm -hmm. um, the Pentecostal movement has a teaching that to study the Bible is to drive out the spirit. Mm. So if, if they, they are totally against studying scripture, right? Because you need, you need to get your, your revelations from the Holy Spirit. So you need to just open the Bible and read some portion of scripture and the spirit will speak to you. So anybody that's seen to be expositing the text, expositing scripture, going deep into the text, are seen as Pharisees and scribes. So they don't understand what that actually means. 
They just know the Bible calls them scribes, mm. people of the word, of the scriptures. They know the scriptures, um, but they're void of the spirit. So that can be a huge challenge for us when it comes to some of your religious people that are in churches, Pentecostal churches, they believe themselves to be saved. It's a challenge to reach them. But it's, it's, it's a, a more blessed thing to preach the gospel boldly to gangs, mm. the sinners, to the drug addict on the street, to the prostitute, who knows they are not, um, you know, uh, saved, so-called saved, even if they pretend to be or they, they, they've been told that they're okay, you know, like some guy preached one, once on the street that God is not interested in your repentance. He's not interested in, in, in all of those things. You must just believe because God knows why you are a prostitute because you have to look after your kids. God knows why you are gangster and selling drugs because you have to look after your family. So your job is to survive. God's job is to forgive. I mean, that's the kind of nonsense that people are being told in the streets. Mm. So uh, preaching the gospel straightforward and bringing, bringing conviction to the sin of the people, um, it's a refreshing thing. People mm. usually do not um, uh, hate us for being bold in telling them their sins um, when they are gangsters, drug addicts, murderers. You know, those guys, those guys respect the fact that we can tell them in their face mm. what the Bible says. But it would be your religious community that is hating that kind of message. They don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they are the guys who will call us, will tell us, yeah, you guys are uh, judging people and doing all. But, but that's not what we hear from gangsters. Mm. You know, um, when we sit with a gang and we tell them what the Bible says about killing, and how that blood would be on their hands and how God will avenge. And how, uh, when we talk about those things and what God has done for us in Christ, those guys, they are quiet and some of them get saved. So mm. um, <laughs> they, they're not offend, offended in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, with, with the gospel message. They are offended with regards to the fact that their son is being pointed out that. God is, God is your enemy. God is against you. That offends them because they've got this Father Christmas kind of God in their heads. And so in our community, our job really is to show them who God is. There's no fear for God in our community because people, is a, they've got a warped view of God. Mm. So we want to show them who God is and show them who they really are. And then, and then present them with, with Christ, where the gospel, the good news comes from. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And again, so many churches and Christians are offended by the gospel that is being preached to sinners. Uh, yet yet the, the, the great at bringing food banks or doing mercy ministries or are looking after the practical needs, yet the spiritual needs, the, the pussyfoot around, they dance around and are, are frightened of offending and are, are offended themselves. But what we need is people from our community is to be honest with us. I, I knew, I knew that if I stopped taking drugs, my life would be practically better. I knew if I worked hard, I could save money and move to a better house. I didn't need to be shown how to get out of poverty. I needed to show the reason to stop living the way I was living. 
I hated my oh. life. I, I wanted to end my life and I didn't see a point to living uh, until I knew there was Jesus and that I could be forgiven and that this earth wasn't it, that there was going to be a new heaven and a new earth that I could spend eternity yeah. with. And nobody had ever shared that with me. They'd shared the God that you'd heard, the, the Father Christmas God. And I was offended because I thought I've prayed, I've tried hard and I'm still in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was a genie in a bottle, not a yeah. King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So until I understood the gospel, how that affected me as a sinner and who God was, then I couldn't be set free from this trap that I was in. Yeah. Why do you think yeah. it is that churches are so afraid to go into our communities and preach truth? But you know what? Your story is, it's probably the story of most people in our community. Yeah. You know, most people never heard the gospel. They thought they heard the gospel. Mm. And so, so a lot of them has made some profession of faith, thought that their life will be turned around. Everything's going to get beautiful now. Um, and it failed, so they go back to the drugs, they go back to prostitution, back to that, and God has failed them in their minds. They, because the God that has been that has been preached to them is, is not God. Mm -hmm. um, so many of these guys in, in, in our community, many of the preachers or the pastors are all about making a name for themselves. Yeah, yeah. They want the community to like them, and they want the community to come to their churches so that they can get money. Hmm. So uh, you've got a lot of churches that got about 10, 20 members. So if you've got 10 members, each one of them giving you a tenth of their grants that they get, their social grant, or if they are working a salary, whatever, then you've got a salary as a pastor. Hmm. Then you don't have to work. And so, and so that becomes the goal. It's to gather people around you so that they can basically give you a living. And so you need to prop yourself up to this stature of a person that people would follow you and so you always have to perform get a new vision a new revelation a new word sound amazing and all those kind of things and so you've got a lot of those guys and most of those guys are not even saved mm. they, they don't know the lord they don't love the community they're in it for themselves and so when people when people find out that this is what's happening and most of them know they lose trust in the church and in god uh, so you can't just be uh, be a church that's just us yeah you know um, you have to be the church the light in this community which and it takes time because our community don't trust people mm. you know they, they, they it takes very long for them to trust people and so over the past couple of years we have just been building that trust in people so that um, people know that when we talk or when we say something, or when we rebuke, or when we do certain things, they can trust us because they know we're not gonna, um, we're not trying to build our own kingdom or try to get them to give something or anything like that. Uh, the, 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 the other thing is, there's a lot of gangs that are also planting churches. Right. See, so, so the gangsters has found out that it's easy to make money mm -hmm. and to get money from people if you have a church. So, so there was one church that we thank the Lord they are removed now, um, but that church almost had a thousand members. Wow! And the and the pastor was a was a gang was a gang leader, yeah. and I mean a lot of the guys on top of him. That church was planted by one of the big gangs in in Cape Town, you know. Um, so stuff like that are happening, and people can see through it. I mean, yeah. you've got rehab centers, 
that are selling drugs mm. out of that work, you know, <laughs> because the rehab center is run by the gang. So um, stuff like that is in our communities. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that makes the gospel beautiful in our community is there's so much violence. Mm. I mean, Andy and the team was here now um, from, from Nidri. They were here for about a week, here by us. And in that week, somebody got killed. Mm. They saw gang members running to, with, with machetes and stuff in the street to go and uh, um, hurt somebody. They saw somebody's house being broken in, people taking stuff out of it, you know. And then they saw the kids that's there that has got almost no emotion attached to anything that's happening. Mm. And the kids whose, whose, whose uncle was just shot in the head just simply because he didn't want to open the shop. Yeah. Um, she just came to tell uh, uh, Jude and the others that were there, my uncle died, my uncle got shot in the head. And it's, it's not a big deal for them. There's nothing. They detached from these things. Uh, it's nothing to see a dead body lying in the street. Mm. Now, even on our church property, somebody was killed. You know, and the kids running, coming to see the body. No, oh, it's only a dead man. And they went on. It's yeah. like that. It's, it's the apathy, the, the whole situation. There's no value for life. Mm. And I'm placing all of that at the feet of all these false pastors, all these false religions that's here in Balbasal. Pastors that call themselves pastors that don't care for the community, don't care for the flock, they're there to make a name out of themselves, put a name up for themselves, and care about the community at all. They preach a false gospel, a false Jesus. And that is not, that is just a, how can I say, an environment for all of this to grow in. There's yeah. violence and all these gangs and all these things to grow in because there's no fear of God. You're not preaching the gospel. Mm. Um, and it's, 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 it's because of the pulpits. It's because of these guys. You know, um, there was a time when I was still young when Balbo South um, was where a lot of people were believers and feared the Lord. You know, the holiness movement, all of those kind of things, what was happening there was gangs that time, but they were respectable people, you know, and then just, you know, uh, but now today it's, it's, it's in our community, it's everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. Yeah, it's yeah. chaos. Um, and I'm thankful for the Lord for, for, for our church that's there um, that can preach the gospel and reach out to these people and actually love these people. Hmm. There are people that we buried, gang members that we buried, that some of the churches told us, um, why don't you just throw them in a hole like a dog? They're not worthy of such burial. These are scum. You know, that's what they think of our community, of, of, of people in, in, in our community. Yeah. Um, so but we've seen some beautiful testimonies. We've got some beautiful testimonies of the scum of the world hmm. that the Lord has saved. Hmm. Um, Amen. Just, rec just recently, uh, about three, three months ago, um, an old lady, she, she was one of the big, big drug, drug lords, she and her husband, in, in, the, in the whole of the Cape area. Um, and her, when her husband died, she, she became a drug addict and she lost, I mean, all their possessions. Mm. So they, she lived just in the small little house. Um, she sold her daughter into prostitution. 
Um, all her kids on, was on drugs because of her. All her kids died. We buried uh, 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 one, of, one of her kids also that died because of drug overdose. Um, and so this woman was known amongst gang members and drug dealers as the worst person in Balbasal. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when you speak to gang members and to, and to killers, yeah. you know, about this woman, yeah, she's, nah, nobody's as bad as that woman. <laughs> Well, that woman, we've been, I mean, we've been throughout the years, we've, we've been preaching the gospel in a house, went in there, she wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And then this one, this one day, she came to my mom's house. My mom also belongs to our church. She didn't feel well, she was sick. And she wanted my mom to pray for her. My mom shared the gospel with her and told her, look, you need Jesus. And she made a profession of faith. She wanted Jesus. <laughs> and for the next three months, that woman's life, shine out Jesus. Mm. He was crazy. She had a daughter, read the Bible to a daughter that was that she sold in the prostitution mm. that hated her. Um, tried, she was weeping almost every day over her daughter and her kids and all that and telling the stories about what she did and all of that. The Lord saved that lady. Mm. She passed away about a month ago. Right. Beautifully. In my mom's house, we were all there. Uh, she passed away singing hymns mm. and all that and a daughter had a witness um, the, the, beauty, the beauty that comes from the story is when a daughter told my wife yeah but it's because of her that I'm like this mm. she only taught me the bad things she taught me these things and that and that and that and my wife said yes but she didn't just teach you that mm. she taught you about Jesus as well mm. she taught you about Jesus as well these last few months and the daughter's response was Yes, he did teach me about Jesus. She was not the same woman, the mm. same woman that died there. Mm. That's a beautiful. Uh, that's the second woman, by the way, that the Lord has saved through our ministry that sold their daughters into prostitution. Um, I mean, we, we've got people that in our, in our church that used to be um, murderers, rapists, gang leaders that the Lord has saved and transformed completely. And these are the guys that are witnesses in our community to these other gangs of what Jesus can do. You know, so, um, yeah, it's the gospel that will save and change. Not mercy ministries, not all these other things. It, it is really the gospel. Um, so, I, I said a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask you what motivates you to keep on going, to keep laboring, but obviously stories like that must be the reason why you're still there ministering in a, in a hard place. Yes. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it takes time. It's not, we don't have all these rapid um, uh, conversions, you know, that people claim about, I've got 50 people that say, no, it's, it's, I mean, um, this year, what two, two people, the Lord saved this year, last year was also two people, the Lord saved, you know, I mean, um, that comes from our community. So it's not like all these, and it's hard work. Yeah. Um, but the real thing that motivates me with regards to our community, um, and this might sound super spiritual, but this is this is just the truth. Hmm. It's the fact that he's worthy. Yeah, yeah. He is worthy of the praise and the glory of every single gangster in Belva South. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of their 
adoration of every single person that's here. And, and, and God is glorified through the salvation of sinners. And it's just beautiful how God just shows off, you know, when he saves the worst kind of them. The one you think will never, you know, that one. Then he, he saves that one. And it changes, transforms him. So that not just um, his, his life, his spiritual life is changed. He gets a job. His, his family is changed. He's supporting his family. Like, like one of the guys at, at the moment, he, he was drug addict. He was terrible in his family. The Lord has saved him, cleaned him up. He's providing for his kids. He's looking after his mom. I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful what the Lord has done, making him a, a, a member of society, productive member of society that's now sharing the gospel, you know, with a saint in the community that he grew up in. Um, Jesus is worthy of that. You know, it, it's about him. And so that's our, that's our cry in our community. We want to make much of Jesus. So people, it's not about pastors and prophets and apostles and churches. It's about Jesus, and it's Jesus that brings you into a local church that is a community that makes much of him, you know, so um, that's, that's what we're all about, and that's really what motivates me. Um, I, I love, Paul, the, the scripture uh, that uh, in Philippians uh, 3, where Paul says, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll give up everything for Jesus, you know, just to gain him. I will give it all up. Um, so he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, so that's what I want people to see. The surpassing worth of Jesus, knowing him. That's what makes it all worth it. Um, my background, I used to be a prosperity preacher myself. <laughs> I even planted a prosperity church that is still in Balo South, spewing out all these false prophets and false teachings. And so when I look at that, it humbles me because mm. I share in that. And now that I know the truth, I want everyone to know the truth, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, that's what motivates me. Mm. When I'm very discouraged, I love to go to Philippians. I love to read Psalm 23. Mm. I know it's cliche for many, but just to think that the God of the world of the universe, Yahweh is my shepherd, my personal shepherd, mine, mm. you know, and if you know anything about what a shepherd does, um, then that's precious to me, that lifts me up, it builds me up, it encourages me to know that he's sovereign, that he has me, um, and so, yeah, we, we, we take huge risks because of the sovereignty of God, <laughs> <laughs> huge risks we, we take, you know, uh, as, as, as children of God here, Doing, I mean, there were many times we could have been killed, mm. but the Lord has preserved us. And so while we're here, we're going we're gonna to do the, the hard work in the hard place. Mm. I think it's the best place. Somebody asked me, um, I had a call to, to, to a suburban church. I told them, you know what? I'll probably destroy your church in a month. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will never be able to, to handle it. I don't know how I would be able to handle you know, a nice cushy church. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I'm, I don't think I'm built for that. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd only take me a week. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't even get an interview for a church like that. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I think that's a hard place. That would be a hard place. For me. 
yeah, no, I love I love our community. I love our church. Um, it's got its struggles, its problems, but there's so much beauty in it also. Um, as you would know, in your context also, it's probably the same. Um, our communities have a a a tight bond. Yeah. There's a sense of community and nobody's superficial. Everybody knows everybody's business. <laughs> you know, there's no time for for trying to put up a front. This is who I am. This is who you're gonna get. That's it. Yeah. You know, the, that's just that truth, the truthfulness that you get in our community is beautiful. Mm. Um, and so you can speak to them plainly about things and, and I mean, it's not even a thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I enjoy that about our community. I enjoy the friendships that we have. And you would know that when we, when we do trust people, we trust, the trust goes deep. You know, um, in our community, it's like that. Yeah. Oh, when we hate people, that also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hear that, brother. Wow. Well, again, you're in a hard place, but it's not just you. You're a husband and, and you're a father. And how have you found uh, parenting and, and married life, living in this community? Uh, how do you oh. how do you separate living in a church 24-7, but still getting time for, for rest and recuperation and spending time as a father and a husband? Yeah, so um, I'm not doing very well on that front. <laughs> um, busyness and busyness. And so I thank the Lord for my wife that that tries to always bring me back, yeah. you know. Um, she's not just going to let me go, let me run. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, 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 that I've, the Lord has blessed me with a beautiful, actually amazing, beautiful, amazingly beautiful wife. Mm. Some people think that I married up. I would agree <laughs> with them. <laughs> yeah, we all do, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also a very wise and godly woman. Yeah. Um, and so she, she's the one who usually brings me back. And so I'm, I'm glad for that because... Um, if 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 I'm let loose, I will just run. Mm. You know, um, um, you know, with our backgrounds that we come from, family time and family life is something that we need to learn. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we need to spend effort in it. It doesn't come to us naturally. Yeah. Um, I didn't grow up in a house where there was a love, warm, fuzzy feelings in the family. You know, I didn't, I didn't get that. Um, so so it's good to have a wife that nurtures that in our family, that brings us all together again. Um, so yes, um, I, I usually have, um, on a Monday, I'm, I'm off. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I try to be off at least. <laughs> Sometimes my wife comes and takes my phone away, which is yeah. irritating, but it's, it's good. <laughs> um, and then I try on a Saturday um, to spend some time with the family also. Mm. Uh, but during the week, I'm usually very busy. Um, and then also get some holiday time, you know, take the family out of the community, go away. I had, I had so, so, some two weeks um, this year that I could do that. So that was awesome. Um, so the challenge with family and with the kids is that they're growing up in a community that is very violent. Mm. Um, and so they see things that you wouldn't want them to see. Mm. They hear things you wouldn't want them to hear. You know, it's nothing for us when I sit in my house to hear gunshots going off. Yeah. 
um, and then somebody got killed. It, 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 it's not going to be surprising to me if my, if my sons walk down the street and they pass a dead body hmm. uh, because somebody got killed, you know, um, stuff like that. They know a lot of people. If you ask any youth, um, do you know, did any, anyone lose a loved one? They would probably all say yes, how, and they will describe some weird killing and stuff like that. But I mean, it's stuff like that. Um, so, it's, it's, so the challenge is to, to, to have your kids not in, not locked up away yeah. out of the community. You want them to engage with the community, but to have a strong sense of, um, of boundaries and of teaching what the Bible says. So I, I like to use the scenarios in the community to bring a gospel message to them. Yeah. You know, when something happened and then talk about it, let's talk about this. Can you see, can you see what sin does? Can you see how it, you see what Christ did for us mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's a hard sore thing for me because you need to navigate that all the time um, with what's out in the street. And also you don't want your kids to, to have a drug dealer push drugs to them and have them just try it out, you know. Um, so that kind of thing. So we talk a lot about those kind of things. I'm thankful for the Lord that um, the Lord has given me. Uh, we've got well minutes. Our kids are not believers yet, so please do pray that the Lord will save them. And just to say, I've got one daughter. She's 30 years old. She's the oldest. Yeah. I've got a 21-year-old. Um, a 19-year-old, a 14-year-old, hmm. and guess what? Yeah. A three-year-old. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. It's a crazy situation in my yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they are not believers. Right. They're well-mannered church kids. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're not believers. Um, um, and so we trust in the Lord for, for their salvation. Mm-hmm. The Lord would save them. Yeah, so that's being a father, husband. Um, I I try at least, um, if not once a week, twice a month or so, to 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 take my wife out just to have two of us um, out of the house. But we do spend time in the evenings. Uh, but just I'm talking about you know the date night thing. <laughs> try to do that as often as I can. Um, can probably work on that still. Um, but I usually leave those things in my in my wife's hands to maneuver it, to tell me, hey, Mania, listen, come now. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of thing. And, yeah. If it was left to us, it would never happen, would it? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, it, so you're busy as a husband, as a father, flipping it, with a three-year-old. That is hard work as it is, never mind being a, a pastor of a church. <laughs> Just raising a three-year-old's hard. So how come you've taken on another role with Acts 29 hard places? Where do you find time to do this? Uh, but so 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 doing the uh, uh, so are we back? Are we back? Yeah, we're back now, brother. Brilliant. All right, so, so being a cohort leader, um, I find joy in 
in teaching pastors. Mm. Um, it's it's a joy, and 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 to be able to do it across Africa is even more amazing. Um, so my wife handles my schedule. Okay. <laughs> so so she's got my schedule in the hand. She will tell me, listen, listen that in that time, that that so. So she handles my schedule. So the cohorts doing that work and with all the other stuff I do, I've got a great team around me. So um, I've, uh, I've got my brother, Quentin, who's also a pastor in the church, another elder. And then we've got some deacons. Um, so a lot of the evangelistic activities, um, Quentin will handle. Um, um, the pastoral care side of things, teaching and those kind of things, I will handle that. Um, and then obviously a lot to do with um, with church in hard places, doing some of the conferences. And so it's it's just a matter of scheduling your time right, managing time right. I'm very bad with time management. My wife is very good with it. <laughs> so that's why she handles all my scheduling. Um, and so yeah, it's it's a privilege. It's it's uh, what the Lord has blessed me in that I'm doing two things that that is a joy to me. I'm pastoring a church and I'm teaching pastors that are church planters. Mm -hmm. um, those two things is a joy for me to do. Um, so, and, and, and the other side of church and art places is um, why I'm also wanting to be involved with that is in future, I don't see myself always pastoring a church, mm. um, but I always want to be involved with church planting. Mm -hmm. And so church and art places gives me that opportunity to be able to be always involved with church planting and other pastors, you see. So, so if the time comes when the Lord would call me uh, um, away from pastoring a local church, mm -hmm. um, then that I, I'll still continue in being involved with church planting and churches. Yeah, so yeah. so that's, that's part of the future dreams, you know, that I'm, that I'm looking forward to. Um, but yeah, so awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great to be uh, reminded that whatever hard place we're serving in, uh, we've got brothers and sisters around the world serving in similar contexts uh, with the same heart for the glory of God, with the same heart for His church and uh, for the lost as well. So it's been it's it's been uh, really encouraging chatting with you, brother. It's been. Uh, yeah, so encouraged just to be reminded often uh, I, I've struggled with, with church planting. I've now transitioned into a different role where I'm training pastors and supporting pastors, but uh, it, it took its toll on me, church planting. And I think one of the reasons why was because I, I, I forgot exactly what you said was our main motivation for planting should be the glory of God is because he is worthy. And I think out of everything that we've discussed the, the, this, this morning, uh, that is the thing that every pastor needs to be reminded of, isn't isn't it? That he is worthy, that whatever motivation we have, whether we love the church, whether we uh, love the gospel, whether we love church planting, our motivation should always be primarily the, the glory of God. So, yeah, thanks for that, brother. That's been a tonic for me, just being reminded of that this morning. But before we go, have you got a few more minutes? I could spend all day talking to you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so again, I think what discouragement comes to to any pastor in any context yeah. uh, but what particular bible verse or passage 
do you turn to when you're struggling, when you feel discouraged, when you, you feel like the job's too big? What do you turn to to, to keep you in the game? Yeah, so it, it, it would have to be Psalm 23. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, there's, there, there's so many times when pastors feel that what they're doing, especially in our context, because things happen very slowly, uh, uh, with regards to growth of the church, I mean, um, you want you want the Lord to to save people, mm. you know. Um, le let me just mention one in, one discouragement. Um, just recently, uh, one a gang leader made a profession of faith. That's in February. Made a profession of faith. It was a one of the a gang leader of one of the most notorious gangs in 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 the Cape. Um, this gang finds joy in killing people. Um, they find they they supply um, witch doctors, some of the Sangomas, witch doctors with body parts. Wow. Um, so they're very, very notorious and they are a religious gang. Um, so they're into the occult. Mm -hmm. So when they kill somebody, they feel their life, they, they believe killing people extends their life. So they're vicious gang. And so the Lord, at one of our open air services, the, the Lord convicted one of these gang members or, or the one of the leaders of this gang. Um, he made a profession of faith, weeping and all that. Uh, we walked with him that the first two weeks, he was on high on drugs. Uh, he was doing drugs and stuff like that. So that first two weeks uh, was basically, you know, cold turkey. And, and we spent it, he, he was at my house, he was at Quentin's house for the two weeks, just going through that whole withdrawal and all that. Took him through that two, two weeks. And uh, for the past six months, we have been investing in him, discipling him, you know, walking with him. We gave him a job at the church as a caretaker, and we gave him uh, uh, the men's where the, you know, the apartment at the church. Him and his family moved in there. Um, so he was working, got a, he got a, a job, and he's got a house now, and just great stuff. Then his family at his house, his, his mom's place, um, got attacked. First his mom got attacked on the street, then his father got attacked on the street, and then the gunman went into the, his mom's house and held them all hostage, and then left them, took them off, and so... All of this happened because the gang that he belonged to was calling him back. Mm. So that's what they would do to draw you out if they don't know where you are. So they didn't know where he was. He's from another community, not from Balboa South. Mm. Um, they didn't know where he was. And now six months has passed. He's not back. And so that's what they would do. And so he knew he had to go back and face this gang. But he also knew that if he goes back, if he doesn't go back, they will kill his family. They'll kill his mom. And he's dead. Um, and if he goes back and he tells this gang that, you know, he's a believer now, he's not going to be back to the gang, they're definitely going to kill him. Mm. This gang has killed pastors in the past already. This gang has, um, has done terrible stuff already. And now this guy, he was the enforcer of the rule that blood, blood in, blood out. If you want to leave the gang, you get killed. 
Um, so he had to go back. And so what we did as a church, we called a week of prayer and fasting. And so we did that. We prayed, fasted that whole week and asked the Lord to help our brother as he goes back there. So the Lord will preserve his life because he has to go and face this game. And so that day when he went, um, I decided I'm going to go with him. Mm. He was against it. Um, he said, Pastor, they're going to kill you. Um, my wife agreed and told me, look, we've been telling this guy that your life is not in the hands of a gang, it's in the life of God. It's in the hands of God. He will preserve you if it's his will. And so she told me, if you, if you feel this is what the Lord wants you to do, you must go. The same is, you know, your life is in the end of the Lord. And if he takes it, well, then he takes it. You know, if he brings you back, we were in church. So it was a big thing. The church leadership, we all decided, we prayed about it. I went with him there to face this gang. It was a terrible situation. I've been in a lot of terrible situations, but I never, ever want to be in that situation, something like that again. Those people were evil people. Mm. They were evil people. Um, you could see it in their eyes. You could see it um, when we went to go when we went there. And, and this guy was suffering. When we on our way there, he was scared out of his mind. He had he told me even as we we're driving, he said, "Look, pastor, they might even tell us we're gonna go. We can go." And when we turn, they shoot us in the head. Hmm. But that's a better way to go than you don't see the bullet. <laughs> you know, um, that's what he told me. When we got there, the leader uh, of that gang, and he's they, they are four guys. He's part of that leadership. Now the the main leader. The leader, just the day before that, we went to Friday. The Thursday, this guys, the leader wasn't there, but these guys then said that this guy just cut up a, a, a girl with, he's got a saw that he torture people with, mm. and he cuts them alive. While they're alive, he kills them like that. He just cut up a girl in pieces, and they were telling him this because this girl used to wash this guy's clothing. You know, so he knows, uh, you know, they just, and they were talking like it's nothing, you know, um, these guys are evil. And then this leader came in and he looked at me because I'm not supposed to be there. Um, and but anyway, to make a long story short, that situation was God turned it around so that I was able to share the gospel with him and even pray for them, you know, um, while in that same place where we were, a guy before him that wanted to leave the gang, they killed that guy right there where I was standing. You know, they killed him there. Um, but the Lord turned that situation around and so because my prayer was, Lord, I wanted to show this man that you are sovereign and you are almighty and that the life, life and death is not in the hands of a gang, even though these people have taken many lives. Um, so I wanted the Lord to show him that. And that's what the Lord did. The Lord showed him that. You know, and they released him from the gang. They released him with an oath. They will not touch his parents again. They will not, nobody will touch him, but they will watch his walk. They warned him. They told him, we're going to watch to see whether you, you saying what you're saying is true or not. Mm. If you ever come back here again, we will kill you. <coughs> Excuse me. That's what they said. Told him. We left. He was excited. He was going crazy, weeping, even crying. Going mad in the car as we went back. Couldn't believe that we went out of, we got out of there alive. Obviously, my family received us back with joy and all that. Then I left from there and, 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 and went to 
to do some uh, uh, stuff for, uh, for church and our places just about a week. During my time gone, I heard that this guy went back on drugs. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. With all that we've done, with everything we went through, it didn't take him a week and he's back on drugs. He left his wife. He went back into gangsterism. Now, as we stand now, I don't know where he is. His mom phoned me about a month ago that this gang wants to kill him. They're hunting him. They almost killed him. They stabbed him, all that kind of things, and he got away. They're probably going to kill him to find him because he's back. Um, but that just broke my heart. Um, because of, of everything that we had to go through as a family, you know, um, my wife, I could have lost my life there, all of those kind of things. And as a church, the, the, the compassion and care that the church has showed this guy, taking him in, giving him a home, giving him a job, all of that, and now he's, he's gone back to his old life. All of those kind of things can weigh on a pastor, can weigh down on a pastor and on a congregation. Those kind of discouragements, when I think of those things, I think of something. <laughs> I, I mean, through all of that, yes, there was a disappointment, a person, I felt it personally. Mm. But the great shepherd kept me, you know. Mm. He kept me in that situation where I was, and he's leading this church to green pastures. He's leading us in the path of righteousness. A great lesson has been shown to our church also. Um, we can rejoice in the fact that we know God is sovereign and the Lord has done this. And be careful with regards to, you know what, it's only God, God can, that can save people. People can be rehabilitated and not believe us. You know? um, but we can't save ourselves. And that salvation is really enough. You know, uh, um, we'll be disappointed, but our joy is greater than our disappointment because salvation is enough. And, and Jesus is worthy of those kind of things. He's worthy of, uh, 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 of, of all the joy that comes with that experience. You know, it, it, it also taught me the fear of the Lord. I mean, that, wow, God could save somebody out of that situation and that person still not be saved. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, he, 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 makes a, he, he makes a table before me in face of my enemy, brother. My cup overflows. I mean, all of those kind of things, you know, going through a valley of death, of the shadow of death, you know, I will not fear because he's with me. It's that kind of things that, that encourages me in my lowest moments. Mm. It, is, it, it has always been the, the presence of the Lord with me. The fact that I know he saved me. He's with me. He's my shepherd, you know. Um, those are the things, regardless of circumstances, that keeps me. Mm. Oh, that was a long story. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was a great story, brother. Great story. And uh, yeah, a good reminder that, yeah, I get discouraged when people turn up late for a prayer meeting. <laughs> Puts things in perspective a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, Mario, it's been wonderful. Uh, catching up with you, uh, learning from you, uh, 
I hope to see you next year. Will you be in Nidri, Edinburgh? Yes, hopefully I'll be that side. So yeah. we'll see. Brilliant. And uh, just before we go, how can we uh, be praying for you? And what ways can we be supporting the ministry uh, that you're doing there in uh, the Cape? Uh, so at the moment, our greatest need that I see for our church is we, we are looking for gospel workers. We mm. need gospel workers. Um, not looking for gospel workers, but looking for funding for gospel workers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great need in our, in our community. Um, there's so much to do. And we've got certain people that can do it, members of our church, but we just can't afford them. Mm. You know? um, and so that's one of the things that we need in our church. Um, my family, I would say, please pray for my kids, salvation. Mm-hmm. And I pray the Lord would, would, would help uh, uh, keep my marriage together, you know, because if that falls apart, then, well, the ministry falls apart. Mm-hmm. And so far, the Lord has been, has, has been um, gracious to us, but that we would just really keep that bond tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, um, if we've got anybody there that, that has a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, give to the church, please give to our church. If you've got money to give to me, you can give to me also money. Uh, if I can pay my house off, it would be great. <laughs> but yeah, so. Awesome. Well, say if we want to support financially, is there a link that I can find somewhere that I can attach to the uh, podcast and also to the YouTube channel? So if you go to 20 Schemes, what what is it called again? Inspire. 20 Schemes Inspire. Yeah. You'll get, you'll get our um, Reform Faith Mission is, is on there. Yeah. That support us via 20 Schemes Inspire. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. Yeah, I'll put a link up to that uh, and uh, encourage anyone out there who's listening uh, to support this vital work. But brother, it's been awesome chatting. Hopefully we can do it again in the future. Uh, have a great time with Mez and Matthew over the weekend. And uh, yeah, I-, I hope to see you next year. Thanks very much, Mario. Thanks, man. If, if people want to contact me, you can give give the, my email address to them. I love yeah. to hear from people. Yeah, um, It'll be great. So I don't know if you have it. Yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah, I'll yeah. put your email address on. Yeah, do you want to say yeah, it out? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, did you want to read it out? It's it's mfmanville at gmail.com. Cool. And uh, what I'll do is I'll put a link to Mario's email, uh, a link to 20 Schemes Inspired, and a link to his church as well. So you can find out a bit more about what he's doing and hopefully pray and support him financially as well. Awesome, Mario. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for joining me on the In Context podcast. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for the opportunity, man. God yeah. bless you.